If you're feeling overwhelmed by clutter, whether it be physical or mental clutter, I invite you to join me for my free five-day challenge called Re-Energize Your Home. We'll be meeting from June 3rd through June 9th for this amazing challenge where you will discover the power of shifting your mindset, the power of managing your energy, and having true support for your efforts. Let's help you reclaim control of your life and your space in just five days. All you need to do to join us in this free challenge is to go to maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com slash challenge. Again, that's maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com slash challenge. I can't wait to work with you and I'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Make Time for Success podcast. This is episode 37. If you're wondering how you're ever going to move past your past or some of those unhelpful habits you've developed because of your past, you're going to find the answers you've been looking for inside this episode. My special guest, Rebecca Snowball, has made her own journey from struggling with self-worth to learning to embrace herself and to love herself incredibly fully. Rebecca is a yoga instructor and CEO of Yoga Soul. You're going to hear about Rebecca's journey back to herself and how she currently helps women to create healthy habits of their own that stick. This is a really beautiful and rich episode. I loved my conversation with Rebecca, and I hope you enjoy it as much as she and I did in creating it for you. Let's go listen to the show. Hi, I'm Dr. Christine Lee, and I'm a psychologist and a procrastination coach. I've helped thousands of people move past procrastination and overwhelm so they could begin working to their potential. In this podcast, you're going to learn powerful strategies for getting your mind, body, and energy to work together so that you can focus on what's really important and accomplish the goals you want to achieve. When you start living within your full power, you're going to see how being productive can be easy and how you can create success on demand. Welcome to the Make Time for Success podcast. Hi there, everyone. I have a major treat for you today because in the house we have Rebecca Snowball. She is a friend of mine for the past few years. We met by fate, I think, when we agreed to be roommates at a conference together. So we met in a hotel room and we've stayed very close. I think we have a lot in common and we both love life. So (laughs) I think that may be the main connecting point, but we just got along really well. I can't wait for you all to meet her. Welcome, Rebecca, to the show. Thank you, Christine. It is so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. And you just took me right back to our meeting place in the hotel room of the Kajabi conference. It was so much fun. And yes, we've just connected ever since. And I'm so grateful for our friendship. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being here. So let our listeners know a little bit about who you are, what you do, what gets you so excited. I know many things get you excited, but just share some of that with us. 
Okay. Okay. So my name is Rebecca Snowball. I always feel I need to tell people that's my real last name. It's spelled exactly the same. And people used to think it was my yoga name because I'm a yoga teacher, but no, this is my birth name. I've actually thought about changing it to have a more flowy yoga name, <laughs> but no, Rebecca Snowball it is, and I'm sticking to it. And I started teaching yoga in the year 2000. So it's been, you know, I celebrated 20 years last year and just loving this practice. And I want to, I'll just back up a minute because right before coming into yoga, I was a single mom and I had just met the love of my life, didn't know it at the time. And all my insecurities were just surfacing. I was struggling with my self-worth. I was struggling with even body image, always comparing myself to others. I mean, I will never forget that. Like, you know, a woman would walk in to the room and I'd have to size myself up against her. It was painful, honestly, because it's like, am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? You know, are my boobs big enough? I know, I know. It's just, but I have to tell the truth. And I think so many of us say that and do that. And it was just a really painful experience. I also at that time was disconnected from myself. I didn't even know what that would mean. You could always find me in the self-help section of any bookstore. That's where I gravitated toward, thank God, because I found incredible knowledge and wisdom through self-help and Louise Hay in particular, teaching me about self-worth and self-love. And it's become a huge part of my journey. But during those years of figuring it out, I turned to drugs and alcohol to soothe, you know, drinking and mainly just marijuana. It was like a release. It was an escape. Even my relationships were part of uh, whole, filling up the wound in me that cannot be filled up externally. As many people know, and those of you listening, if you don't know that yet, you're feeling it, you're like, something's not right. It's not working. It doesn't work. And so when I found yoga, it was the saving grace. And you hear this so many times from so many people who've discovered yoga, yoga teachers, there's usually a, what brought me to yoga, what happened and how it is now. And it's so true because we, we tap into what really makes us whole, which is knowing ourselves, slowing down enough, stopping the substance abuse, stopping the relationship addiction, those things. It could be relationship, food, shopping, all the things that we try to fill up ourselves with. And it's like feeding the hungry ghost, I say. So, or that's a Buddhist term, actually, that's just like, it's never full. And I was in that place before I found yoga, I found therapy, I found a 12 step program. And all of those things were wonderful. Yoga really stuck. And so it became my path to become a teacher and continue to help others to find themselves. It's, it's not that yourself isn't there, but we slow down enough. And through the process of movement and breathing and spiritual connection, we feel the essence self, we feel whole. And that's the message that I have for others is let's heal together, feel whole together and live a joyful life. Thank you so much for that beautiful start to our upcoming beautiful conversation. I have to share with you, as you were talking, I had a flashback to our hotel room where you dropped to the floor and did yoga poses. And I did not know you well at all. But just the fact that it is such a part of your life, it is part of who you are, your everyday, how you vibe. 
And I just want to share that with our listeners. But I also wanted to head back to the part of you that you want to fill. I guess that's the part that sticks out for me in what you just shared with us, because I think probably that's a part of everyone. And what is your thinking about what that represents? Why is it so painful? Why do we think filling it is the answer? Mm. Those kinds of questions. You know, I read before, I can't remember where, that we all come to the planet with this primordial wound, that we all come here with this wound. And it can be from, you know, a past life, it can be from this life, it could be from our birth trauma, you know, and how we get here and what happens to us along the way. It's just something that we are here to heal and, and grow, you know, into our wholeness, I would say. And I think that some people have come to the planet with less of a wound to deal with. I don't know why, but those of us who have come through more of a struggle, you know, the wound I think comes from, in my particular case, my upbringing. And I had a beautiful family. I have a beautiful family, a beautiful mother, beautiful father, but they split up when I was very young, little, little. And my dad lived in Canada and my mother raised us in California, me and my sister. And, you know, that's that right there. When you don't grow up with your dad, that's the father wound. And even people who grow up with their dad, the way that, especially generations before us, like the older people, men were not as open and connecting and loving with their children as they are today. You know, they were taught to be stoic. They were taught to be tough or they weren't there. They're workaholics or whatever. So I remember um, on Oprah, she's one of my favorite people on the planet. There was a therapist who said, most all of us are walking around with the wound, the shape of our father's. And I thought, oh, that was so true for me at the time, because I grew up you know, not having my dad in my life on the day to day. I got to see him in the summertime. We had incredible experiences and memories and, you know, just hold him in my heart so deeply. Sadly for me, my dad passed away the same year my son was born, 2001. And, you know, there was some regret that I have for sure about that. But I learned through therapy about this this essence, this wound in us that we try to fill because it's uncomfortable. I think filling it and answer to your question, why do we think we need to fill it? It doesn't feel good. It's like, you, you don't even know like, oh, I'm carrying around this wound. It's not conscious, but you're restless. You don't feel comfortable in your own skin. At least that's how it was for me. And you know, if you've ever experienced, you know, you have a drink, you feel relaxed. You know, you, if you are someone who indulges in marijuana, you know, you, it takes you away to a different place and you can feel like, ah, but the key is to get to that bliss place without those substances. And it's something that we learn. And the first thing to do is to refrain from reaching for those things that we think are soothing us. I mean, our society is so geared toward drinking, celebrating, you know, now even with marijuana being, you know, they call it weed. I don't know why I'm not calling it weed. <laughs> When I grew up, it was called pot. <laughs> and I had no idea that we we're going to be talking about this. But, you know, it's it's very interesting because it's very prevalent, especially, you know, in, in, and I'm not against it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against it. It's when it becomes habitual and it's so easy for it to become habitual. So I just see that these substances that are out there and not just alcohol and weed, but like uh, sugar, sugar is a huge one. You know, these are addictive substances. So for me, it's not so much about the person, alcoholic, drug addict, sugar addict, 
personally, I think it's the substance. They are addictive, addictive substances. And when we ingest them, we actually have a chemical response. Dopamine is released in the brain. That's a feel good chemical. So what I love about yoga is that it also, and cardio releases the same types of chemicals in our body. So what my mission has been with myself personally and with the women that I teach is to choose those actions that are healthy, that actually give you healthy benefit where there's not a connection to a substance. So the filling up of the wound, back to your question, I think we come to the planet with a wound and I think it's our kind of mission to heal it. So first we have to observe it, understand it. You know, mine was partly to do with the father wound. I also had my mother who at the time before she got into recovery, she was kind of not there all over the place, revolving door of relationships, her different relationships that were coming in and out. You know, it was just like kind of crazy. And my ground of being I learned in therapy was actually chaos. So when things were chaotic and up in the air, I actually felt comfortable. And that's why like my room was a disaster. I had clothes everywhere. (laughs) And through the healing process and understanding that coming back to myself through yoga, through therapy, through knowledge, self-knowledge, self-wisdom, Svadhyaya is the Sanskrit name for that from yoga, you know, self-understanding and wisdom. It has just been so great to find my center. You know, it's a place where you start to feel comfortable in your skin you feel whole and you recognize that your essence self is unchanged by these external circumstances and it's love and it's ease and it's divine light. I hope that answers your question. It was kind of long winded. (laughs) You know, actually I would say it was perfect. My reaction to listening to you right now is that you are so present and grounded that I don't, actually need to be here as an interviewer because I I mean, I'm happy to be here, but that you've got it under control. You've got all the thoughts are connecting and firing all in the right way because you're present and because you know yourself and because you've been there, you've been through the rougher times and you've kind of made it here on your journey to teach now. So not long-winded at all. I appreciated every word. Let me ask you about refraining from addictive behaviors. Since I know before we pressed record, we used the word habits and habits are just such an important topic for, I think this particular podcast, but also in our everyday. Could you share with us how you got to be good at refraining from the not good habits. I know yoga was a part of it. What else was in there? Sure. So for me, it was a 12 step program and my mom is, you know, she's got a long time in recovery and I know that she would be okay with me sharing that because it's part of her identity and, and she's so vibrant and amazing. And so for me, that was a part of my process, but it's not it didn't stick with me. Like I am not a sober recovering person at this time in my life. I have a balanced relationship with drinking. And I also can see how it can like be a little bit like, you know, you got to be mindful of it because it can really step in and take over if we're not mindful. So I would say that mindfulness is one of the keys to stopping a bad habit 
And I personally love Atomic Habits by James Clear. I know that you know who I'm talking about. So for anyone who's listening right now, it's a great book on habit change. It's called Atomic Habits. And he talks about how to create a new habit and how to like release old habits. And so one of the things is if there are those things that you are finding yourself addicted to, like for example, sugar or alcohol, right? To not have it in your house, to make it invisible is one of his keys, which I love. And that's how I operate. We don't have a wine cellar. We don't have alcohol. We don't have a bar <laughs> in our house. It's not here. And same with sugar. Sometimes I'll let it in. Of course, I love myself a good cookie, let me tell you. And I love ice cream. But if I have it in the house all the time, I'm going to eat it every day. So when I know that I need to take a, a little cleanse, a little time off, I make sure all of that stuff is out of the house. And so I actually lead a vibrant body cleanse for my women because we all need this. And when we do that, we get all of the things that we don't want to be eating out of sight, out of mind, out of the way. Um, so that's one of the ways. And then also just looking at it's so much of it, as you know, is our subconscious beliefs about it. So what I started to really recognize was I had some subconscious underneath conscious beliefs about alcohol. I thought that life was better with alcohol. My evening's going to go better if I have a glass of wine. That was a deeply held belief. So even on a conscious level, if I was like, oh no, I'm not going to drink. I'm having a great day today. I want my energy. By the time five o'clock came around, I was having a glass of wine because the subconscious is so strong. As you know, it's responsible for, I think, 80% of the decision-making. So even though on our conscious level, we have a goal, we have a plan for the day, we're not going to eat that sugar. You know, we're going to be really good on our diet. We're going to do the yoga, whatever it is. What's underneath conscious is actually the operating system. That's what's going to make your choices. So I recognized I needed to dive into those deeper beliefs, that belief system, write about it, and then create new beliefs based on the truth. So really studying myself again, which is a yoga practice, self-study, diving in and looking, is my life really better with alcohol? Not really. I feel tired. It kind of makes me just sort of check out. I don't sleep well. I'm thirsty. And in the morning, I don't feel great. So is that really better? Is that a better life? No. So then I do the experiment with not drinking. I sleep great. I don't even wake up for water. Like I'm asleep through the whole night. The next morning I feel invigorated. I'm singing. So for me, when I really see the truth of it, I say, oh, okay. Not drinking is actually where my energy is. It's where the joy, the energy, the beauty, all of the things, it's where the good life is. So it really does demand that we change our mind. Thank you for that. Examination, mindfulness, incredibly important, I think, for all habit change, not just recovering from addictions or shifting away from addictions. And I think sometimes we get in the habit of thinking our habits are there for good. We just forget that we have so much power in every day to say, I need a shift. I need a change. I'm just going to stop this. I'm going to not do this as much or for as long that these shifts can be really tiny, but they can change everything. So I just wanted to put that in there because I think that's important to mention too. 
And I love that you bring that up because the power of change and what helps us to change. One of the things that I've noticed after working with hundreds of women, and we have a, a membership program where we help women to create new habits and break old habits. And what I have found is that there are three C's that make change much more possible. And the first C is commitment to really sit down and look at what are you committed to and write it out. First name, last name. I, Rebecca Snowball, am committed to. So those of you listening, this is such a great, powerful tool. If you're struggling with any of these things we've been talking about, if you know that you want to start eating healthy, drinking healthy, being healthier, write down a commitment statement. I, your first and last name, am committed to. And then write it out. Alcohol-free, sugar-free, whatever it is for you. And then add in there, so that. Why is it that you're wanting this change in your life so that I can lose weight and feel energized and know that I am taking care of my health? You know, write it out. You can start out with a longer kind of little paragraph and then you can minimize it down to like one statement that you can hang on your mirror in the bathroom or somewhere where you can see it, recite it out loud. So that's commitment. That's the first C. And then the second C is community. We are hardwired, especially as women, to be social and to connect with each other and to encourage each other. So when you have a community, you've got other women who have the same goal as you or men, men and women who are like, hey, let's do this. We can do it. What's going on for you today? You know, thanks to social media, we can connect on Facebook so easily or other forms of social media. And we can reach out and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Who's got a minute? And we're jumping on the phone with someone to say, let's stay on the phone together because I don't want to eat that ice cream and that, you know, that cookie that's calling my name all day. Let's do something different. Let's go to yoga, right? Let's go for a walk. And community really makes a difference because then the other part that happens with community, when you show up as a leader in there and you say, hey, I got this great recipe for this delicious, gluten-free, lectin-free, <laughs> super healthy salad. You're going to love it. Here it is. When you show up to give some of the things that you're learning, you take on the strength and then you actually become more committed because you've got other people now who are kind of starting to lean on you. So community makes a huge difference. And then the final C is consistency. And this is the one that people get really challenged by. As I said, I've, I've worked with hundreds of people and I've interviewed hundreds of mainly women to say, what is your biggest struggle when it comes to changing your habits? And they have told me two of the top ones. Number one is consistency. And the second one is I don't have time is what they say. So being consistent is the number one. And when you're consistent, which is really interesting, it means that you are in congruency with what you want. And that's such a cool way to think about it. We think, oh, it's doing it over and over again and making it a habit. Well, if you look at the heart of the word, I love to look at root words. If you look up consistency, it's being in harmony, in agreement with yourself. So you say, I want this thing. And then your actions are in agreement with your commitment. They're in agreement with what you're wanting. And so because you've got that big commitment statement, that big why, you keep showing up. And the smallest little step is all you need to take because those little tiny steps are going to lead to the big changes in your life. 
they're like little guardians, right? They keep you in that zone so you don't really stray. I think that's the difficulty with procrastination because you're never in the zone if you're procrastinating. You're always like in the next room on the next planet. You're so far away from where you need to be feeling that tension or those little guardians or those little habits that do get you to start. You're just not thinking about them. You're, you're spending your time thinking, I need to be safe. I need to be away from my fears. And consistency really helps because it, it is habit. It is positive habits. It is showing up. It is feeling calmer. It is, I love it, feeling consistent within yourself. Yes. So thank you for explaining that. That was beautiful and so important. Okay. So you wanted to talk about what strength means Mm -hmm. and also how vulnerability also fits in to being strong. So could you share with us your thoughts? Basically, like I think how to be strong and confident without losing your vulnerability is just something that most of us want. But again, it comes to what do we think when we say vulnerability? And it can mean to people, a lot of people, weakness, being open, being susceptible to injury, being susceptible to attack. I don't want that. But when we look at vulnerability from the place of relationship, from the place of being human and being on earth, honestly, we cannot have intimacy unless we let our guard down, unless we soften and we're open. And this is amazing to witness and to watch in your life. So we've been taught how to be strong, how to be confident. Women have, their roles have changed so much, thank goodness, from 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And we keep seeing the growth. You know, we have a vice president woman. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. And so the strength, you know, and this toughness that we take on and the confidence that it brings us, we don't want it to be a barrier to our softness or our openness. And so how do we deal with that? Well, first of all, we look at what does strength really mean? It doesn't mean that we're we're hard and we're tough. There is a definition of that. But when you look at strength as a whole, it's really harmonic. It's really this whole body, mind, heart, and soul strength. Because to be strong means to be having great physical strength. And that's why I created the arm sculpting class that I love so much that we're going to talk about later. In addition to yoga, like I have found that being strong physically comes from lifting weights. And I love that. And that is part of what we're talking about, physical strength. That's where most people come into the picture of yoga. They want to get strong and flexible. But we're talking about our whole being and strength. It's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual. And so there's these wonderful ways that we can strengthen in every area of our life. And again, think about strength as the whole thing. To be strong to means that we are like a force of character, right? We have a force of energy. We can move energy and we can hold a lot of energy. To be strong is really being capable of making something happen, of being solid in who we are. So it's an amazing definition when you look into it and even financially strong, like it's on all levels of our being. So I wanted to share with you four M's to being strong. So again, you can write this down. I find that when we have a little word that it'll help you to remember. So the first one is to move, to be physically strong. You want to move your body in some way every day. 
I mean, it can be your favorite thing that you like to do, dancing, walking, running. It could be Tai Chi. It could be yoga, swimming, anything, preferably getting something where your foot hits the ground because you want that for bone density. You want to have strong bones. So moving is the first M. And I'm going to add to that, adding in weights, especially after 50, because yes, you do lose your muscle tone after 50. You you literally lose some muscle. So we want to counter that by building muscle with some weightlifting. The second M is for your mind, meditation. Now I've had so many people say to me, oh, I can't meditate. It's just too much. I sit, I stand, I'm out of there. I'm the same way. So I want you to find a meditation that works for you. I had a coffee cat meditation at one point in time in my life when my little cat Bootsy was alive. I would brew my coffee, bring it over to the chair. My beautiful tuxedo Bootsy cat, gray and white, would jump up on my lap and she'd settle in and the heaviness of the cat and the beautiful aroma of the coffee allowed me to take a deeper breath and just be. That's what meditation is. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to sit on a cushion. It doesn't have to be long. Just coming in to mindfulness and basically becoming still and following your breath. The other piece I want to add to meditation is you can use an app like Insight Timer. There's so many ones that you can follow that are guided. And there's also just a little music you can put on and put it on for two minutes. Start with two minutes, right? Small and easy. Make it easy, make it available, and just start. So the third M, we're going to go, we're going body, mind, heart, and soul. The third M is to make love to yourself. <laughs> to make self-love a priority. Like this is where my shift happened for me so much when I got that book on that self-help shelf from Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life, I started making self-love and affirmations a practice. And of course, you know, that was many, many years ago. So it's very second nature for me now. But I want you to find one way that you can practice self-love. Looking in the mirror and saying, I love you is the easiest way. You can do it right after listening to this podcast. You can do it while you're listening. Look in and say with feeling, I love you because you are an amazing, beautiful, spiritual being, and you deserve your own love. Lastly, spiritual practice, there's many different ways. We're going to stick with the M's here, mantra. So mantra is basically the Sanskrit word for affirmation. What is your power mantra that connects you to your spirit? I am love being loved. That's a mantra. That's an affirmation. There also are Sanskrit mantras that you chant in this Indian language that are beautiful, that as you repeat them, they take you out of monkey mind. They take you out of, oh my God, what if, and uh, why didn't I do this? And all of the stuff that we do to ourselves and they stop that and you get more connected to the moment and connected to higher essence, whether that be nature, God, goddess, universe, spirit, it's mantra. So those are the four M's. I'll say them again. Move for your body. Meditate for your mind. Make self-love a priority. And practice mantra or chanting for your spiritual connection. Thank you for that. I love the mnemonics. And I love how you've put it all together. Because really, you're right that if you're leaving one part of it out, 
like you're forgetting to love yourself. You're doing all the exercising and the weights, but you're still critical of yourself or you're worried about how you're fitting in, in your crowd. You're going to drain that potential you have to feel really strong and to act strongly in your life. And you're this wonderful example of how strength is so beautiful and so full of purpose and connection and focus. You've got all this going on for you. So I love you. Thank you for describing all of this. I had another question. Let's go to vulnerability again. And let's say, what would you say to someone who says, I make these efforts, but I keep feeling like I don't quite get there. I don't quite trust enough. And I'm I'm still on the other side of this transformation into being really myself, into knowing myself. What would you share with that woman or man? I would say that that's part of the process and that's totally normal. And we all are, we're never going to be perfect on this journey and that's not the point. And really like the stillness, the meditation allows us to connect in with ourselves. I think part of it too, for people is there's a little bit of a fear. If I let my guard down, what's going to happen? And I think also, I, you know, I think about my husband when I think about this right now, because for so long, for so many years, like he didn't really, he didn't cry the way I cried. You know what I mean? I just wanted him to have like a really good cry. <laughs> and as we're getting older, you know, like he definitely does for sure. But I think part of it for him was like, if I let my guard down and I let this out, I don't know if it's ever going to stop. You know, the tears, the feeling, the emotion, that's a real thing. Like, oh my God, there's so much in there. And so what I actually allow myself to do, usually when I'm alone, sometimes, well, it doesn't really matter if I'm alone or not, but if something triggers me, you know, like this past year long pandemic, there'd be such stories, especially, you know, just in the beginning that would just be so emotional, painful. And I would just like thinking about it right now, I'm getting tearful because I can just get right to it, you know, but I would just let myself feel it and just hold my head in my hands and just sob because I feel like, and if you can't get there, that's okay. Some people can't, but if you do have that, if you can give yourself that gift of just like a good cry, you don't have to know why you're crying. You're just feeling the heart of the world and it's okay. There's a lot of pain, but there's a lot of love. And if we allow ourselves to feel that and then let it go, it's like the water element, second chakra, feel your feelings. It like releases something from you and allows you to be more open is how I think about it. So maybe you'll have some moments where you feel yourself holding because you don't want to get emotional. If you can give yourself permission to let it out, to have a good cry, it's going to feel really good. If that's not available, I would say, you know what, just be patient, just be willing. And you can ask yourself a wonder question. I wonder, what would it be like for me to let down my guard and really be open And you don't have to, the answer on wonder questions, it's not you're trying to find the answer. You're opening it up to the universe, to your brain. I wonder, what would it be like to be more open so that I can experience more intimacy? And maybe you'll write about it and you'll just take the day to keep asking the question and see, you may find some answers come to you just in the events of the day or 
a relationship that, you know, something that you have with a friend or your son calls you and you have a deep connection. Like we don't know, we just open. And if opening is still hard because trauma has closed you and put a guard over your heart, there is a reason for that. And you can thank that armor for protecting you. And you can just say, I'm willing to continue this process of opening and I'm patient. Be patient. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your understanding of our process as human beings, as wounded beings. I love you. And I love what you've shared with our community here. And I am also thinking, wow, it must be so powerful to be your yoga student. So please describe now how our listeners can start to work with you, how they can find you and follow you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I love it so much. And Zoom live streaming yoga has saved me and my students this whole last year and a half. And we're continuing to meet virtually and as ready, we'll meet in person as well. But the Zoom yoga has been phenomenal. And right now, one of the things that everyone is loving is this arm sculpting class that I told you about earlier. So I created a 30-day arm sculpting challenge because my gym closed and I was really loving doing the weights again. And it's so empowering. It makes my chaturanga stronger, which for those of you who don't know yoga, it's like the the challenging little push-up where you don't actually push up and you hold it. And everything gets stronger. So it feels really good. So the arm sculpting is fun. I think it brings people confidence when they start to see the definition in their body. And just from the women that I've been teaching so far, they're commenting that, oh my God, they love it. They feel so good. They can't remember the last time they started doing weights and how much they love it. So this would be one of the best ways. I have a checklist that's totally free. If you're wanting to start arm sculpting, I'll give you this link. And then if you want more information, I can give you that too. But basically you go to Rebecca Snowball, just so it sounds, rebeccasnowball.com forward slash checklist. So it's rebeccasnowball.com forward slash checklist. That will take you to a page that you can sign up and get the checklist. And it's so great. You just start checking the boxes, getting yourself ready. And then if you want to come into arm sculpting, we can talk about that. Then there's a way that you can reach me. If you want to just know more about what I do as a yoga teacher, you can go to rebeccasnowball.com and there's a free class there for you too. So there's lots of ways to connect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of people coming your way from this show. Thank you for being here, for sharing so openly being here in such a beautiful way. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christine, for having me. It's been so fun to have this conversation with you. And I'm so, I'm so grateful that we went so deep, (laughs) you know, like right off the bat, it's like, okay, we're talking about vulnerability. Let's be vulnerable. Here we go. We have a good connection between us, I think. And I think you were just ready to go. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye everyone. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make Time for Success podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard, you can subscribe to make sure you get notified of upcoming episodes. You can also visit our website, maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com for past episodes, show notes, and all the resources we mentioned on the show. Feel free to connect with me over on Instagram too. You can find me there under the name Procrastination Coach send me a DM and let me know what your thoughts are about the episodes you've been listening to. And let me know any topics that you might like me to talk about on the show. 
I'd love to hear all about how you're making time for success. Talk to you soon.